White Sox Weekly on the air. My name is Mark Harmon. We are live at Guaranteed Rate Field. The White Sox and Oakland Athletics coming up tonight. Tanner Roark for the A's. And Ronaldo Lopez hopes to continue his second half resurgent tonight starting for the White Sox. Six and nine with a now 5.41 ERA. That ERA well down from over six. He's uh, Ronaldo owns a... ERA of one and a half uh, with 17 strikeouts and two career starts uh, versus the Oakland A's. And Sox starters overall have been pitching a lot better. 3.4 that ERA over their last eight games. We've got a busy show today. Biggest news of the week. How about the White Sox and Yankees field of dreams? That's right. Going to Dyersville, Iowa. August 13th of next season. Now, I know for a lot of you, your favorite movie, as far as baseball movies go, is Field of Dreams. And that is uh, has to be an incredibly cool moment if you're a White Sox fan and getting to know that your team is going to play there. Against the Yankees, no less, right? Imagining if the Yankees are playing in the game, they're, pl- they're probably playing the Red Sox or something annoying like that. But uh, the White Sox getting to play in this game is huge. And I actually want to sort of reverse that conversation. It, the Yankees are fortunate that they get to play the White Sox in Dyersville, Iowa. About 8,000 seats are going to be constructed for the game. Uh, Scott Reipert, who is the White Sox Vice President of Communications, will be with us a little bit after 4 o'clock to discuss all the logistics, how you can get yourself in line for tickets if you're willing to fork over the dough and make the trip to Iowa. Not exactly sure if ticket prices have been decided or not. We'll find all of that out uh, coming up after 4 o'clock. We also will be talking with Michael Huff today, the former Northwestern Wildcat, former Chicago White Sox, who's running camps. Uh, out here today, he was sitting with Lucas Giolito and Jason Benetti and a bunch of campers out at Guaranteed Rate Field today. Uh, some stuff that you can be involved in as the summer is winding down. So that's a little bit after 4 o'clock today. Talked with Adam Engel today, who uh, has really done a nice job coming back to the club after being sent out earlier in the year. And Adam's a guy who's you know battling to stay on the team, really, as uh, the White Sox move forward. And you expect Luis Robert to be here next year playing center field probably sooner than later uh, in the year. And, and where does a guy like Adam fit? And I'm sure he would love to fit somewhere on that roster to be able to spell guys. And if anybody uh, goes down or, you know, perhaps you're also showcasing yourself for Another team as well. That's uh, part of the business of baseball. Hector Santiago, who has been a Swiss Army knife for the White Sox as well as a starter coming out of that bullpen. He's a New York guy, and he's got a charity called Santiago's Soldiers. Uh, Hector's always great to talk to, uh, and he'll be coming up here as well. He was uh, with the Sox last year, if you recall, and then in the offseason, he signed with the New York Mets, did not make the team out of spring training, went down, then got called up, then got released. Two days later, the White Sox 
pick him up, send him to AAA, and now uh, back with the team starting, coming out of the bullpen. Uh, Hector will be on the show today. And lastly, Jason Benetti is going to be calling a baseball game next Saturday night with the one and only Bill Walton. Now, I don't know how you feel about Bill Walton, but I love Bill Walton. And for some people, they think he's too loud and too crazy and too all over the map or too whatever. But I like to be entertained in my broadcast. And Bill Walton, you cannot argue, is all sorts of entertaining. So Jason's super excited about it. And uh, we're going to talk to Benetti about how it all went down that Bill Walton uh, became a part of the broadcast. Those two did some college basketball last year in Hawaii. And... There was sort of an instant chemistry, which is similar to how it was uh, with Steve Stone and Jason, who seemed to have known each other their entire life as they started doing games together. So uh, I'm 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 really excited about next Saturday night and Bill Walton. I don't even know if he's ever done a baseball game, but and judging by the way he throws a baseball, where I've seen some video of him throwing out first pitches, uh, that wasn't particularly pretty. But none of that really matters. I'm sure he he knows enough to hold up that side, and then he'll just be super entertaining and be thrilled to be there, and I think it'll be great. So I will have Jason on the show uh, for back-to-back weeks. He was on last week, a little bit more of extended stay. This one is uh, just a little snippet on uh, working with Bill Walton. But when we come on back here, we will play you an interview uh, that I just did with uh, Hector Santiago. Uh, I think you really enjoy it. Here's a guy who's battling his way and just has a great, great, great attitude and he's also given back a ton to the community. So let's do that next. It's White Sox Weekly. We're live at Guaranteed Rate Field. White Sox and the A's coming up on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. I'm always impressed by the journey and the determination of the, of the Major League Baseball player. Not the, the, the guy that's number one on the roster, for number one starter. That's sweet, super talented, and super impressed by that. But I also appreciate the guy who's... Can I get an opportunity to be a fifth starter? Can I can I be in the bullpen? And then you end up back at AAA, and then you're fighting your way back. Hector Santiago's with us. So let's go back to last year. You're starting, and then uh, the offseason comes. Just remind fans of your your journey. Yeah, so, um, you know, obviously last year I was here, did it all. You know, close, saves, um, start, long relief, short relief, left-handed guy. Um, going the offseason, you know, thinking I had a pretty good year last year. I was going to have an opportunity to get a job somewhere. and was hoping it was back here in Chicago, and uh, – you know, not all things work out sometimes. You know, it's a, the game of baseball has changed, the business side of it. Um, so I, I got the opportunity to sign with the Mets, which was always a dream of mine to go be able to play in New York and be close to home around my family. Um, had the opportunity to sign with them. I signed with them in spring training. I didn't make the team out of spring, so I went down for about a month and a half, grinding the minor league lifestyle again for a little while. Got the opportunity finally to come up and, you know, join the big club, pitch there for about a month and month and a half maybe, something like that. And, um you know, they DFA'd me. They wound up releasing me. Uh, I took my release and was trying to look for another opportunity with another club to, you know, come up to the big leagues. So I went home for a few days down in Puerto Rico, and I think it was maybe 36 hours, and the White Sox called me. And I told my agent, I was like, if it was any other club that called me at that time, I don't think I would have signed. But just because of the, the relationship I have with these guys here and the opportunity that I know that was available or possible, um, you know, I ran. I, I got back on a plane the next day, and I was back in Charlotte, North Carolina with the White Sox. And you know, after about a month and two weeks, I got my opportunity to come back up here and, you know, pitch again. So did you not want to leave because of the situation in Puerto Rico at the time? No, I mean, I think it was just more of a, 
I, I, I was I was excited to have a week off in the summer for the first time in you know 15 years or 14 years. So um, my agent said, hey, you know the way the game's going, it's a little tough that you'll probably be home for 30 days. And I'm like, man, 30 days during the summer of the you know fun time in Puerto Rico and you know not I guess it's a little mental break sometimes, you know and just being home for that little bit of time would have been nice. Uh, you know, obviously it didn't work out because I signed two days later, but uh, I was looking forward to it. But I mean, it all it all came in, you know, all in stride, and it worked out for the best. So when you're going to Charlotte, are you getting communication from hey up top like, look, you pitch well, we expect you to be here anytime? Was there any promises? <laughs> in baseball, there's no promises, and uh, you know, and for some reason, no matter how good your relationship is, there's com communication is is hard in baseball. Um, you, you understand the game, you learn the game, you learn what's going on, you know how the situation works when they're calling people up. But uh, communication on that side of it, there's never a hint saying, hey, you're coming up to the big leagues. Because they don't want to tell you that and it doesn't happen. And you don't want to be told that and it doesn't happen, you know. So I think in baseball, you just kind of take it in stride and you want to be, you know, you want to think positive. You want to go out there and pitch and try to, you know, prove yourself that you're you know, able to have the opportunity to come up and, you know, you can come up here and pitch in the big leagues. But uh, there's never any guarantees in baseball. I mean, you know, you go in six years in the big leagues, you go through arbitration, it's never guaranteed. So, uh, and then you pitch, you know, six healthy years in the big leagues, and you never know how free agent's going to look. You know, you pitch the year before good, and you don't know what you're looking at coming into the next offseason or next season. You're no dummy, though. You, you, you look at what's going on with the White Sox, you know they're a little bit thin in the rotation right now and sort of in transition. So I, I'm, I'm thinking you had to be thinking, you know what, I'm probably going to get an opportunity here. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's uh, – so it came in the decision of signing so fast. You know, you, you know they had a couple guys hang, uh, hurt and banged up, and then they had a, a couple other guys that you know weren't throwing the ball too great. So, uh, and the game of baseball is, hey, if you're if you're not doing the job, you know, let's get the next guy in there and see what he can do. Uh, so you just you kind of look at everybody's rotation or everybody's bullpen and you see what's going on with injuries or trades, and you know the trade deadline's coming up, and these guys have some guys that they could have possibly moved, and there was going to be some openings. We obviously, you know, as an organization, they didn't move anybody before the trade deadline. So uh, that kind of shut some doors. But, you know, you, you still take a shot, like you said. You, they're, you know they're thin, and you know they're looking for somebody to come in and eat some innings up. So when you come back in this clubhouse this year, did it feel different from last year? Like one more year mature? It was like, ah, I felt like I never left. Uh, yeah, so I, I get to Detroit, and I'm there for the doubleheader. I, I come in right before the first game's done, and, you know, we, we shake hands after the first game win, and I felt like I, I was there all year. You know, everybody's coming in and saying hi, and everybody's, you know, excited. And I have a really good relationship with most of these guys, and, you know, there's a lot of new faces. I think there's about 10 to 12 new faces here. But I've, you know, played against them. I've met them along the way in baseball. So a really good relationship with all these guys here, and it felt like I never left, you know. Are you still doing stuff off the field? I know that's always been important for you. Yeah, um, working a bunch of stuff right now. You know, I actually just signed some contracts for trying to get Santiago Soldiers uh, a team in Jersey so you can join a couple of different tournaments. Um, we did a bunch of sponsorships and T-shirts and stuff in Puerto Rico. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a lot of things that we did. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago with that storm we did down in Puerto Rico, we did a lot of good things there. Um, it go, kind of goes unnoticed, you know. I, I don't do too much of the social media stuff, and I'm okay with that. And I mean, I, I'm on social media, but I'm not posting all the things that we're doing, all the events. And I have a good group of people that you know help me out, and we keep it, you know, in house. Not everything needs to be, you know, given credit. You know, some things that are go unsaid, or I feel like are you know a little bit better and a positive impact on the community. And and some of the people in groups that we work with don't don't really want that, you know, the people to see what's going on in their life. You know, they're doing through hard times, but uh, they all appreciate it, and we we love doing it. Main goal, remind people of Santiago Soldiers and how you came up with the idea. Yeah, so, you know, um, growing up, my father was a big 
big contributor in the community. Loved giving back to the community. He umpired for free, uh, you know, softball, baseball games. He was always the first guy in the field, uh, you know, doing the the grounds keeping, groundskeeping stuff, whether it was taking the water off the field or trying to get the field dry or you know raking it, trying to make sure that the teams were able to play. And you know, growing up, he sponsored you know five or six of my teams growing up, and we weren't. You know, a wealthy family. He just he worked an extra week or a couple more hours that week to try to see if he can get a little extra cast to sponsor our uniforms. That when we go on the field, we look good and hopefully we played good. So, uh, you know, growing up and seeing that, and when I was like, if I ever had the opportunity to do that, I will come up to the big leagues. And if I ever had the opportunity, I'm going to do it. And I got up to the big leagues in 2011, and I think 2012 from opening day, we started doing some Santiago Soldiers here in Chicago, and then it expanded to back home in New Jersey, and it was from T-shirts to sweaters and sweaters, you know, all that, selling those things went to buying equipment for the field, you know, buying netting, putting up a batting cage in the community, um, baseballs for the for the league, I mean, all kinds of good things like that. And then now we were able to do, you know, food drives and a couple of other giving back water. And we sent 17 containers to Puerto Rico. They're in, they're in Maria, filled with water, canned goods, um, medical stuff. We had a, di a bunch of different sponsors that worked with us to get all that stuff out there. So started off as T-shirts and, you know, wound up being – you know, I think it was a $280,000 investment going down to Puerto Rico there in Maria and, you know, going around the city and driving around giving out food and stuff like that. Do you uh, get to know any of the kids personally or are you too busy to get to, like, to that level? No, yeah, I mean, down in Puerto Rico we do a lot of stuff where we're on hands. You know, uh, I know with MLBPA a couple years ago we did something back home in Jersey where we did a 450-kid camp where we worked on hands with them. So I, I, I take every – during the season a little tough, I mean, because, you know, we're always traveling – but we do get out in the community and do some things. But in the off season, I've you know I've run three or four different camps, done a couple of different things where we're actually on hands. And you know I feel like we're trying to teach the kids how to play ball, and they're trying to get a signature, which is which is okay. So we uh, we try to make time for that. We do a couple you know two three hour uh, camp, and then we take an hour and sign autographs. Do you have a, a favorite ball player growing up? Um, I grew up in Jersey. I was a you know Mets fan. I, I loved watching left-handed pitchers, so I was a John Franco fan, uh, Andy Pennant, you know, I mean David Cohn, uh, Wells, sorry, and um, you know, but I, I was a big left-handed pitcher guy, especially guys that you know weren't overpowering. You know, Billy Wagner was another guy; he was overpowering. But I mean, the, the, I was a big fan of left-handed pitcher. So that's crazy, by the way. You you grow up a Mets fan, and even though you were just there briefly, but you got to play for the team that you grew up loving you know you know how few people get to do that like less than one tenth of one one hundredth of one percent <laughs> no no doubt um and i always said it you know i mean i, I love the white, white Sox organization i had a good time with the angels it was a you know fun experience over there minnesota was a, a rough one for me i had i had a great time but i was my first time in my career that i was hurt but uh, i always told my wife and my parents that if i ever have an opportunity whether it's you know for a month or a day to come back and play in new york and any of the teams in new york but especially the mets that I would, uh, I would jump at it. So when the Mets called, they weren't the only offer that I had during the offseason, but they were one of the ones that I wanted to hear and, you know, take a chance at it and see if it would work out. It worked out. I mean, I, I'd say it worked out. I got called up to the big leagues with the New York Mets, and, um, you know, you can't, you can't always ask for too much. You know, I, I, if I said if it was for a day, it would have been great. If it was, you know, it was for 40 days, so it was even better. And, and now you're back here where you belong. How are you looking at the rest of the year? Um, yeah, I'm definitely back where I belong. I, I, love, I love coming back here. I love being a part of this organization. These, these guys were one of the first guys that gave me the opportunity in baseball and in the big leagues. And, um, you know, looking forward to kind of whatever. I know I'm back in that Swiss Army role and kind of, you know, do whatever they need. So I got to start already. Um, I'm back in the bullpen. We'll see how this goes, whether it's going to be a long guy, left-handed specialist, you know, save some games out. Whatever they need me to do, I'm, I'm ready to go. 
you know that Chicago's better than New York, right? The Chicago hot dogs better. The Chicago pizza's better. Um, Jordan, Knicks. I mean, there's a, there's a long list here. I mean, the dunk was cool for Starks, but, you know, they lost that game. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, Chicago is definitely a better time than New York. I, I'm not really a big fan of New York City. Um, you know, all the, the headaches and the traffic and all that stuff that's going on over there. But uh, I live in Chicago. My wife loves Chicago. You know, we've every time... When we signed back here, she was like, oh, good. I like Chicago way better than New York anyway. It's great to see you, Hector. No, you too, brother. There we go. Hector Santiago just a couple of minutes ago down in the White Sox dugout. I had to level that out with the Chicago-New York thing. I thought it was super cool that he got to play for his favorite team growing up. But then, you know, we got to bring it back home here and Chicago's superiority to New York City. I thought that was important. I hope everybody appreciated that. Hector Santiago started earlier this week uh, against Detroit and now back in the bullpen. And just a guy that uh, I find very easy to root for. Great to talk to him today. Hey, uh, White Sox fans, just a reminder, you can head to the park for Dollar Hot Dogs. That's every Wednesday home game this season. Take advantage of this unbeatable deal on Wednesday, August 14th, as the Sox take on the Astros at 110 p.m. It's brought to you by Securian Financial, who can help you make every moment count. Find out more at securian.com. And for tickets, visit whitesox.com slash dollar dogs today. All right, quick timeout. Scott Reifert's coming up after 4 o'clock as we'll talk about the White Sox playing in Dyersville, Iowa. Field of Dreams becomes real. The Sox and the Yankees, that's coming up after 4 on 720 WGN. White Sox coming in today, having won five of their last eight. Positive road trip, took three out of four in Detroit and two out of three in Philly. Yesterday went the way of the Oakland A's, fires over Detweiler. And we'll see what happens tonight. We've got Ronaldo Lopez on the mound. Lopi has been a whole lot better in the second half. He's two and one with a 2.56 ERA, 34 strikeouts over his five starts in the second half. That is uh, a, a drastic improvement from where he was. And part of Ronaldo's improvement came from a conversation that he had with Lucas Giolito. Uh, Lucas has been going through, went through his struggles last year, and of course was on fire at the start of the season, ended up in the All-Star game, and then slow in the month of July, but then coming back around, uh, Lucas pitching well in his last start, so that was really, really good to see. Um, and, yeah, if you're looking ahead, uh, following the set here with the Oakland A's, the Houston Astros, one of the best teams in baseball, will be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and that is not going to be easy. Uh, but you get to play baseball's best and see where you match up and see how the White Sox uh, rotation will do against that Astros lineup, which is significant. And then they go out on a seven-game road trip to the Angels and Minnesota. Uh, of course, that Twins team has been rolling all season long. And the Angels series, as we started out the show, uh, that Saturday night game, if you're not focused on the game, you can focus on the broadcast. Jason Benetti and Bill Walton, which is awesome. Uh, Dave Zaslowski, White Sox executive producer, just walked in, and I know he's excited to hear Bill Walton on the TV broadcast. All right. Scott Reifert's coming up right after 4 o'clock. We will discuss Field of Dreams, the White Sox and the Yankees from Dyersville, Iowa, August 13th of 2020. And Sox fans, secure your seat for that 2020 season right now. You can play it as a deposit. 
for a 2020 ticket package to get first access to the best seats, the best prices, the best benefits. Secure your seat today and don't miss any of the action in 2020. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com or call 312-674-1000. Quick timeout in the news is next on 720 WGN. At the wall, the 380, gone. A three-run homer for Tim Anderson. 3-1 White Sox. Back to White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, indeed. Adam Engel is coming up, as is Michael Huff. Scott Reifert is here right now, uh, which this news caught me uh, off guard. Scott Reifert is the Senior Vice President of Communications for the Chicago White Sox. You know, I see you a lot, and you, you you didn't feel the need to say, hey, Carm, you know, there might be this really cool thing with the White Sox and the Yankees. How long did you know that uh, the Sox were being considered to go to Dyersville, Iowa, and play at Field of Dreams? Uh, a while, and it's amazing to me that... Uh... Hang on one second. Let me do that. Now you're good. A while, Mark, and it's amazing to me that it stayed quiet. So it's kind of a tribute to everybody. It's so complicated a deal because you had the people at Field of Dreams over in Dyersville, you had the Yankees, the White Sox, Major League Baseball, NBC Universal because of the movie. So a lot of moving pieces. A lot of credit to Major League Baseball on this one. So how did the White Sox get in the conversation? We'll get to the Yankees part on that too in a second. But how did you know? Did you would they put it out like you can pitch this, or did they come to you? Well, I, I mean, thanks to Mister Kinsella, he wrote us into the into the story, right? right? right so of course, I think if you're going to honor the 30th anniversary of the book um, or of the movie. Um, you have to include the White Sox in the story because it's just such a strong connection in the generational story of baseball. Okay, fair enough. I thought there was, I, <laughs> I, 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 was, I was anticipating some upper-level negotiations, but it, it's, it, that's to be authentic to the movie, that makes a, a whole lot of sense. And so then they, they want the Yankees there because why? They're just because of the big, bad Yankees? Well, I think if you, if you go back through the, through the movie, the, the two favorite teams of, of his father, of, of Kevin Costner's father, um, were the Yankees and the White Sox. So we both kind of play into the wow. story. Um, you know, I don't know how you get Moonlight Graham in there and the New York Giants, but uh, it's pretty cool. That's funny how, because the way I'm remembering the movie, I'm thinking of Fenway Park. You know, he's, he's sitting there and whatever was said on the screen, i got to watch the movie again. I don't know if you sat here yesterday, <laughs> you guys played it. But that's, I, I, I forgot the Yankee connection in there, so that's interesting. Okay. You yeah. know, this is one of those movies that's on my DVR constantly. So, yeah, I'm kind of lame that way. Every so often I watch a couple minutes. I mean, we got to be on brand here, so it's got to be your favorite baseball movie. But is it your favorite baseball movie? I know that's a tough question. A lot that's of good a, ones. That's a tough question. It's, you know what? Sandlot's tough. To, we're all 12 <laughs> years old at, it's in our hearts, right? Yeah. So Sandlot's tough to top. Okay, fair enough. I I think I go the natural and because I just want to you know be Roy Hobbs, and uh, hit that home run and have the lights come down. But uh, <laughs> I mean, there's a million. Bull Durham is in there. Field of Dreams, uh, League of Their Own was a great film. Okay, so people want to go, Scott Wright. For how? Uh, well, yeah, the phones have been ringing off the hook. It's amazing. I mean, this is a national story, international story, quite honestly. So, a ton of excitement, not a ton of answers right now for us. Major League Baseball runs this game. So even though it's a home game for us, it's treated as if it's a jewel game. So it's like an all-star game for them or a postseason game. They're going to they're going to basically the plan is to start putting together the stadium. It's going to be about 8,000 seats. Okay. They'll That's... work backwards from there. You can do the math and they'll work backwards from there and at some point in the coming months, and it will be months, they'll give us a sense of what allotment if any we're going to get. Wow. Um 
And obviously, I, I rattled off all of those those entities earlier. They've all, you know, the state of Iowa has been, was involved. The community of Dyersville was involved. Oh, by the way, we're going to show up on your front lawn and throw a Major League Baseball game. So there's a lot of people in play here. Do you think this will be the only time they do it, if you had to guess? Because, I mean, just thinking about it and the logistics and what, what, it's gonna, what, it, what they could charge to get people to go there, this seems like a pretty good moneymaker, I would think. My answer a week into this is we, baseball, and who am I to speak for baseball? Right. Um, I can speak for the White Sox, but not baseball. Right. Um, they'd be foolish not to. Right. right. I mean, there's obviously something deep here with folks, and it just it tugs at your heartstrings. and. We're gonna. The stadium is gonna stay up. That's it, part of what they're doing. They're giving it to the community. Wow. Um, so it'll get used. So once you've kind of done it, well, other than the logistics of getting to Dyersville and and back, um, or getting there from wherever you are, um, it seems silly not to. Yeah, I, I saw a post on Twitter yesterday. I think it was Darren Ravello was tweeting it. Rooms at the Motel Six in Dyersville. Like they're getting, they're get, they're off the hook getting calls. Which, by the way, Motel Six is a great hotel. I'm saying nothing bad about Motel Six, but I mean that's you know that will be a thing. Like, where are you going to stay? It, it is a a listen. It's a home game for me because I'm from Iowa. I'm from Muscatine, Iowa. Are you so from I'm Muscatine? About, I'm about an hour and a half away, give or take. Uh, so you know, I've at least got a room. Uh, that I don't have to worry about as long as mom and dad, maybe I got to get mom and dad a ticket, but yeah, I've got a room. So just to, you know, <laughs> if we're talking Muscatine, Iowa, I got to throw it out there. I mean, I went to the University of Iowa, I'm a proud graduate. Muscatine's a hop, skip, and a jump from Iowa City. So for those who want to, you know, take in a great Iowa City weekend, which is at any point in the year, that's another way you could potentially do it, I suppose. I, I would, I'm a Hawkeye as well. So, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I, uh. I was fortunate to be there. We were number one in football and number one in basketball in the same year, so that'll age me a little bit. But oh, uh, so we're talking Hayden Fry, Hayden Fry, and we're talking uh, George Raveling. Yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Era. Pretty talented teams. So that's a that's a BJ Armstrong right there. Yeah, that's an elite eight loss. We don't need to go down that. <laughs> let me get back on. Let me get back on point here. Uh, so we don't know how much tickets are going to cost them. That's all going to get set by Major League Baseball. Yeah. And, you know, all they've told us thus far is based on their experience, and they've done this at Fort Bragg, although those tickets were, were distributed strictly to military, and they've also done the Little League games. Um, they just know it's that they've told us very, very little. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. To kind of prepare ourselves. I mean, I'm just thinking if you're, if you're trying to guesstimate out, you figure baseball playoff ticket prices – and but the thing is, like baseball playoff ticket prices, you know, in, in the in the upper deck, you can get uh, what I would consider pretty good value for well, any seat relative to for a baseball game is good value in the playoffs because it's a playoff game. But uh, there's not going to be a bad seat in that place. Not you know even oh no like yeah. eight thousand tickets. I mean, come on. And one of the things that we're most excited about is they really just creatively some of the things that they're talking about. The outfield contours are going to match Old Comiskey Park. Yeah. They're going to put the bullpens in center field like at Old Comiskey Park. They're going to put holes in the fence uh, or at least see through um, where you, you'll see the corn. And to get to the field, fans are going to have to walk through the corn. Um, so some really kind of neat things to, to tie into the movie and and uh, give people kind of a cool experience. So you're telling me that Lucas Giolito is going to come out of the corn. <laughs> Did I hear yeah, that right? Well, I think if you watch, go back and watch the movie. It's kind of the thing. I, I Oh, uh, <laughs> I, I was asking Dave Zeslowski, our White Sox executive producer, because I asked him if he had any questions for you beforehand. And so he wants to know if Costner's throwing out the first pitch. 
TBD. How about that? Can I just? It's it's early. It's early, guys. See, We're not even a year. They're they're going out. I think next week to start cutting down some corn. So I, I appreciate the interest, but we're not there yet. See, I think that it should be like Hawk Harrelson coming out there. Like, like, like that just seems <laughs> on brand. Uh, all right, here a couple other things other than Field of Dreams. Your uh, what? What's been the response to the netting so far? I, you know, we've heard we've we've heard nothing, basically nothing, which I, I think is a pretty good sign. Um, and it was kind of the, the, our suspicion. There have been, been a couple fans who've raised the point um, that if you're looking at a certain angle, that they find it problematic. But in those cases, I think we've been able to deal with them on one-on-one basis and move them around. I think by and large, people appreciate the fact that the safety factor. Yep. And I think they we've gotten a, a, a ton of accolades and, and appreciation for being first and getting it done. Yep. Um, and we have some some things in our factors in our favor to make that happen. It's it was e- it's easy here to do it just from an engineering standpoint, which is one of the reasons we said let's get it done over the All Star break. Senior Vice President of Communication Scott Reifert with us here on, on White Sox Week. We also, I mean, it's the way the guaranteed rate is contoured. I mean, those seats you're in the danger zone down there. I mean, that's the reality of it. And and you guys are making sure that your fans are safe. Yeah, and and we we certainly acknowledge that the ballpark experience is different than it was when, let's say, five years ago, ten years ago. Um, people people sitting in the stands with their phones head down a, a lot, and the balls coming off bats differently. We see it. We yeah, see it every night. I it's mean, true. their balls hit. Now, I've caught myself, and you probably do the same thing, Mark. There'll be a ball hit down the line, and you don't have that little tense moment of who's it going to hit and how's it going to ricochet out. Now it's a nothing ball. It hits the net, pick it up, and move on. Right, and if you, you know, let's say you were a season ticket holder or whatever, you just had seats down the line for a game and you couldn't go, and maybe you're giving it to your aunt who's going to bring your kid, and then you almost feel like, hey, by the way, you know, you're going to be four rows from the field. I don't. You, you need to be paying attention. Then you're like almost worried to say that because then they might feel that they're not equipped to go because they won't be able to protect their, you know, the niece or nephew or their own kid. You don't have that anymore. Yeah. No. I, and you know, you hear some people say, "Well, look, if you pay attention, you can react." You know what? I'm sorry. You go down in our clubhouse. You've done it. And you ask those guys where they put their families. Right. Or you ask those guys what it's like to sit in the stands, and those are professional baseball players. Always behind the net. And just for the record, by the way, it's it's safer now. But if you're coming out to Guaranteed Rate Field and you're sitting in the, particularly the 300 level, don't be sleeping up there either, because that the ball's still coming back at a at a good clip. So you know it's it's still important to pay attention. We had a fan make a tremendous catch down the left field line yesterday. He, uh, he kind of yeah he dove over his uh, Aloy turned on a ball and kind of hit a looping liner just over the net. Had a little bit of hair on it. Yeah. And this guy, I don't know who it was, he made a great dive over his daughter out into the stands. So. Yeah. Round of applause. See, and, and I say it because, you know, we sit on the 300 level up here during the game, and right next to me, right there, there's a hole dented here <laughs> when, when Connor McKnight had this job, and he wasn't paying attention. And, I mean, lucky for Connor, it missed him, but, it, you know, I don't, I think he would have been okay, but he might have missed a day or two of work. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Connor's a tough guy. He's, he's got everything going on. I, I wanted to ask you just along those lines with people on their phones and um, just society in general, and you guys – like every team in baseball, trying to get people to come to the park and spend their dollars here. Like, how are you, how's, how's the White Sox organization trying to, you know, like see the future and what's reality of, of, of what is? And people still, I think, will always love to come to baseball games. They want to be outside. They want to be with their family. They want to drink a beer, whatever, have a soda. Have a drink. But, it, but it is changing. Well, and it's changing, and it's, and it's, look, so much of what we do is about kids, right? And it's about that sure. first generation. And we know, um, we know that most people become a White Sox fan through 
mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandpa, grandma? No question. And we know if you walk through the, the, the uh, sections around here, you'll see generations of White Sox fans together enjoying the game. And we also know that if we get people out here before the age of five, now obviously they're not making that decision on their own, right? Mom and dad are saying it's important enough to me to bring you to a game to basically baptize you, yep. air quotes, into, into being a White Sox fan. We've got you for life. And so, like, you see things today where uh, the, the Bulls and White Sox Academy folks are out here. They had a clinic uh, or a Q&A with, with players before the game, and now they're out in the outfield catching uh, balls during batting practice. Those are all kids under the ages of 12, right? Yep. And we're trying to create memories for them each and every night. Well, I know that my niece, Grace Carmen, loves fundamentals, and uh, I did think she dominated out there and took on all comers uh, <laughs> in the race and uh, fielded some ground balls. I know she threw about five miles an hour harder than you. Yeah, that, that, that's, huh? that's okay. unfortunate. Okay. Uh, and, uh, right. Well, it's, been a, it's been a rough <laughs> week for me on a, on, a, on a lot of levels here. We don't, we don't need to go down there. Uh, Scott, appreciate you coming up here, and uh, hey, it's going to be awesome. I, I don't know. I'm sure there are some people that they probably won't say it, but like, I got to go to Dyersville, Iowa in the middle of the season here. It's an added little travel thing. But, like, I think when they all get there, it's just going to be an embracing of the experience. You know, like a lot of things in life, the logistics kind of get in the way. But the cool factor when you sit down in the stands and the sun goes down in the cornfields and, and you experience it, it's going to be very neat. Once in a lifetime. Yeah. So it's And just for people to kind of get it around it, it's a, on a Thursday uh, it's the first of four games, or first of three games with the Yankees, right? So Friday is an off day, and then Saturday and Sunday, will con- the rest of the series will continue at Guaranteed Rate Field. Exactly. Giving us Friday to kind of get back here and get our legs under us a little bit. And enjoy the whole experience. Scott, great to see you. Mark, thank you. All right. White Sox Senior Vice President of Communications, Scott Wright for the White Sox and Yankees, August 13th, 2020. Quick timeout, White Sox Weekly 720 WGN. Jason Benetti is next. He'll be talking about his uh, upcoming broadcast with Bill Walton on 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Before we get to the news, just a quick minor league update from yesterday. Zach Collins, AAA, he was 2-5 for five with a homer. It's third time in his last six games that Collins has homer. He's batting 350. 14 for 40, three doubles, three homers, 14 RBIs in his last 10 games. That is good to see. Double A Birmingham, by the way, uh, the Charlotte Knights beat the Lehigh Valley Pigs 9-2 last night. Uh, Class Double A Birmingham lost to Montgomery 6-1, but Blake Rutherford, who has rebounded nicely this season, was 2 for 3. He's been on base now in nine consecutive games, and he's hitting uh, 303 in those nine games, 10 for 33 with a homer. And five RBIs. Steel Walker was two for four. Class Winston, Class A Winston Salem, uh, as they lost to Fayetteville six to two. Uh, Steel Walker's been hot as of late, and that's a guy that is certainly in the mix to be in that White Sox outfield down the line. Uh, he's had hits in nine of his last ten games. Four sixty two, the batting average during that span. A homer and five RBIs. And we'll update Canapolis too. They lost to Delmarva. By a score of 7-4, to four. shortstop Lenny Sosa was 1-for-5, and he's been on base in eight straight. 720 WGN, the team's flagship radio station. You're listening to White Sox Weekly on the home of the Sox, 720 WGN. Beautiful day for baseball at Guaranteed Rate Field. Mentioned earlier, I'll mention again, tomorrow's Harold Baines Day. 
the who's who of the White Sox will be out here tomorrow. Uh, so come on out if you want to honor Harold, if he was a part of your childhood perhaps. Uh, it would be a cool day to take your family out to the ballpark. $5 for upper deck seats, 15 for the lower level, 10 bucks for parking. Uh, and you will have a lot of cool people. Ron Kittle, Ozzie Guillen, Jim Leland, Ken the Hawk Harrelson, Jim Tomey, Carlton Fisk, Tim Raines, Tony La Russa. Michael Huff is going to be here tomorrow. Are you not, Michael Huff? Good I to see you. I am going to be here, not quite on the field. And, and even if he wasn't your pal or your friend as you were growing up, for me it was like high school, college watching him. He still was such a pure hitter, so much fun to watch. N- no doubt, no doubt. Chicago White Sox Youth Sports. Uh, Michael Huff is here, the White Sox Director of Youth Baseball. Give me a favorite Herald memory if you have one. Oh, for me, it was the leg kick. I mean, he was the first one that really had that leg kick hands down. And when you tried to emulate it, if you weren't getting your hands up when that front foot landed, you were totally off. But when you did, it somehow the ball always went a little bit further when I hit it. It's the L, right? And that was not easy to do. I think <laughs> that's why he's a Hall of Famer. I'm, I'm thinking back to uh, like things you imitated as a kid. And just different deliveries and whatnot. Oh, uh, Goose Gossage with the legs and everything going all over the place. The Herald kick for definitely, for sure. Dennis Eckersley was in there. You always had a little bit of a pudge. Always when that ball was down the line with your friends, you would flip the bat and start the hands saying, stay fair, stay fair. A a little, uh, now you just made me think like a Ron Kittle uh, roof shot. But all right, let's, uh, let's get to what was going on today here. I saw... You're down there with Lucas Giolito and Jason Benetti and Joe McEwing where you had, I don't know, seemed like a couple hundred kids down there uh, all enjoying the conversation. So what was what was going on today? And uh, it seems like it's been a huge summer uh, for the White Sox youth sports camps. Which yeah, have been you are spot packed. on. It, it has been fun. We had almost a thousand people here and wow. every one of our summer campers gets to come to the ballpark to get to watch batting practice, get to be a part of a Q&A. We've had Tim Anderson today, Lucas Giolito. But typically, for every two weeks of camps, we would come to a Friday or Saturday night game. Obviously, last week and this week, those campers had the opportunity. I think we had, like I said, 1,000 people here. Uh, and just to hear the questions asked, to, to see how McEwing and, and Lucas were interacting with the kids, you could just see the smiles on the faces so gross, so like into what he was saying. It's just it's very fun to be able to provide that to these kids in Chicago. And we've had over 2,000 kids this summer, which almost doubled the numbers from last year. What kind of messages were uh, Lucas and, and everybody and Joe trying to get out to the kids. I think the big thing was to to have fun when you're playing, to uh-huh. do multiple sports okay. as you're young, uh, to understand that the best part about baseball is the failure because in life you have so many uh, hurdles and obstacles you have to overcome, and this game more than others where you, if you only fail 70% of the time you're in the Hall of Fame. Right. What a great way to learn how to bounce back and what do you do with adversity. So for both of them, there were multiple questions that gave them a chance to talk about when they were growing up and, and the adversity they had gone through to have continued success. Lucas, a first-round kid out of high school. Joe McEwing, a junior college, late-round draft choice, but both of them made it to the major leagues. Yeah, I think Joe is just... Uh Maybe easier to relate to than the six foot six inch <laughs> starting. Yeah, five six, a lot more people five six than six six. Absolutely right. Right, and and Joe's a total grinder. He it put every ounce. Not and that's not saying that Lucas doesn't work his tail off too, but I think seeing a guy 
And that's the thing with baseball players, by the way. I mean, look at Michael Huff. You're not, you're not, you, you don't, one. You, yep. you don't walk down the street and everybody turns their head. I mean, they should for your, you know, uh, your I don't know about that. Yeah, but, so but it's you know not Richard saying. Dent walking down the street. Right. It's not Richard Dent. It's, yep. it's not a seven foot basketball yeah, player. Yep. And, it, right, and so, how did this guy, who seemingly you look at him, he looks super normal. I mean, if you, Greg Maddox, yeah, I same mean, thing. Same deal. I think part of the message, what we try to teach with the academy, whether it's a, a youth pitching camp, whether it's a team training or our summer camps, is putting these kids in a position to have success, building on that fundamentals of fielding, throwing, hitting. And then what do you do with it? Do you play games with your friends or do you just wait for a practice? Do you play games with your brother and sister or play catch with your mom and dad or you just wait for the game? And those kids like Joe McEwing, Mike Huff, who were the smallest kids growing up but were playing catch with mom and dad, even for 15 minutes when they came home from work, playing with the friends at the park and not waiting just for a practice or a game. I think that's the reason that Joe and I continue to play beyond just high school into college and then obviously lucky for both of us to get to the majors. Yeah, and it's also it's incredibly sweet if you make it to the major leagues, but you're also doing something that's maybe you'll just play through high school. Maybe you'll just play through college. Maybe you'll just end up playing in some men's league when you're 40 years old or 50 years old or whatever, 60 years old, and you're still enjoying the actual experience. Exactly. And those life lessons, like you were asking and like Lucas and and Joe were talking about, the fact that you can be a number nine hitter on a team and help them win, well, that's like the person answering phones for a company. It's not just the president or the CEO, your three and four hitters that make the team successful or a company successful. If you learn about adversity, and learn about, like myself and Joe, being maybe a table setter, working a walk, making a defensive play rather than getting the big hit, and the team wins, you're a part of something bigger. So like you said, whether you max out in Little League, max out in high school, max out in college, maybe get drafted, there's life lessons that, again, every successful parent, I'm sure, understands and wants their son or daughter to be able to experience. Right, and a lot of lessons in just being with the group and how do you partner with your fellow six-year-old, ten-year-old, <laughs> exactly. right? Not everybody's going to get to have the same popsicle, right? and not everybody's going to get to play shortstop every time. There's probably five guys that think they can, like women, girls, whatever, that think they can do it. How do you? Well, and that's what we try to teach in the camps is that, look, not to your point, not everyone gets to bat third. But what do you do when you're batting eighth? Are you going to sulk around or are you going to put your chin up and say, I'm getting two or three hits today to show the coach I need to go up from eight to six to four to maybe three? And for our three and four hitters, we put a lot of pressure on them. We see in the camps those kids that may be a little bit bigger, taller, have been playing a little bit longer. We almost put them in a position to lead a stretching drill or do example first and almost push them to seeing how they can be leaders and help all the kids in their group to get better along with them. That's a beautiful one. It's not just about me being the super talented dude, but how can I bring everybody along with me? I like that, Michael Huff, White Sox Director of Youth Baseball. Uh, okay, so I know that the summer is coming to an end. Coming to an end. We were just at, at WGN. We're at Back to School Days yesterday yes. in the WGN TV parking lot. I was weeping the whole show and, <laughs> and getting nervous that, like, classes were going to start again. But uh, you guys still have programs coming oh, up in gosh. the fall. Yeah, we do. The fall programs gets a little bit lighter, but we really start talking to the travel organizations in the area. Last year, I think it was over 100 boys and girls travel teams that either came into our facilities, Lyle and LaGrange, or we went to their facilities to do some training, looking to grow that number this year with our Jersey Leagues as well as other communities. But just right now for all those travel organizations that are looking at maybe switching up what they did last year, we're a resource 
we can go to you, you can come to us. And Dan Pasqua, former teammate of mine, myself, Jerry Novak, give any of us a call and email, and we can talk about what type of training you want, where you want it, and if we can accommodate it and how we can accommodate it. So what is your advice to parents who my kid is super into baseball and he wants to be whatever? That's Mike Trout. Okay, right, wants to be the next Mike Trout, or he wants to get a scholarship to college. Uh, and, yes, we live in the Midwest, and it's not it's. You know, we, we don't get to play baseball outside year round. Like, what do you tell them? I tell them to find other sports to do. I, I, I remind them, again, personally, never being a captain, never being all-state or an all-star. I learned in football the difference between an injury and a little bit of soreness. In basketball, I learned to be quick. You had to have lateral movement, and you had to move your feet, which was great for middle infielders for, for, for me, learning how to get that first step in stealing a base. So I say to them, Let's make sure they have some downtime. Let's find another sport for them to do. And then when it gets to that springtime, then let's take that athleticism they're learning from another sport, be it wrestling or swimming or soccer or basketball, and then let's turn those skills that they're learning there and put them into a baseball body. And let's not have success in the week one of the season. Let's have that success week eight, halfway through, and then finish strong so that they love the game and they want to do it again next year. It's interesting. I can I can sense parents have a no, no, no. They can't be doing other things. They'll 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 lose their skill set, or they won't make a team, or someone will hold it against them. If parents, if you're listening to me and you have an organization that is saying, if you don't play for me now and I don't have a full commitment year round from you, I can't guarantee your kid a spot. You don't want your kid playing in that organization. That's oh, I love what you just said. And there is something to, at least from my perspective, like baseball, you're out there by yourself. You're at the batter's box by yourself. To play a sport like basketball where there's somebody right in front of you who is going to get a little physical with you, and you've got to learn how to handle that. Or football, I mean, now that's yeah. that's a whole other animal. But but those skills all you, you it's gonna it's gonna make you tougher. It's gonna most likely I would think it would make you more resilient. All that stuff that you're gonna need to handle what comes at you in baseball as well. Yeah, very very true. And it's it's not just the boys; it's the girls as well. We love obviously working with these softball organizations. And yesterday we were out here with Jenny Finch, uh, Natasha from the, the gold medal. Um, Watley, it was so much fun empowering girls for life. So to your point, to have those other sports, to have that competition, very fun to see these girls and boys as they come to us after the first of the year, uh, it, it, to see them take that athleticism that they're learning from, that competition they're learning from, and hopefully some of the losses they've had and, and molding it into the season this coming year. Well, and I said football and basketball, and this applies for both boys and girls. But uh, Soccer, volleyball, same thing. Soccer yeah. for, for girls. I mean, I go out and watch my niece play. That is a physical activity, and in your point at your head, mental too. I mean, there's, oh. a, there's a lot to handle out there. Yeah, and, and I mean, you talk about concussions were for mostly boy sports, but actually it's the soccer where you see these girls going up, trying to head a ball, and another girl's head's coming up there. That's every bit as physical as basketball because these girls don't want to give up possession of that soccer ball and use their bodies quite a bit to make sure it doesn't happen. No doubt, no doubt, and, and you know, it's, it's just there's a lot going on. People grow at different points in oh, time. Oh, gosh, yeah. So you got a, a girl who's, you know, a 50 pounds less trying to compete on the same field. Yep. 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 A lot going on out there. Michael, Huff, great to see you. I'm being told we need to break. So, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll follow, we'll follow the script there back. Curtis Coke. I got you. Uh, Chicago White Sox youth sports. And, and Michael's the white Sox director of youth baseball. Lots Just of, yeah. White Sox.com slash play. Look for all of our fall programming. Good to go. White Sox.com slash play. Mike, appreciate the time. Awesome.
And that interview with Michael was sponsored by Mazda of Orland Park and Zoom, ZoomNation.com, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. Coming up after 5 o'clock, we'll hear from Adam Engel. We'll do our week in review next. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, week in review time. Mark Carmen with you till 5.30. Andy Mazur warming up in the bullpen. I don't know why I needed to look back at Andy Mazur to make sure he was there, but I just felt like I did. And there he is, right behind me. Uh, he'll have the pregame show coming up uh, at 5.30. All right, let's do our week in review. And we start last Sunday. White Sox trying to win a series with the Philadelphia Phillies. And it was that guy, Aloy. Ball with tail back in. You get a strike. There's a swing and a high fly ball right center field. This is hit well at the track, at the wall. Three-run homer for Eloy. That's his 18. White Sox now lead 9-3. to three. Was a rocket. He's back. And that was awesome to see, and the Sox end up winning that game 10-5. to I don't know if you heard in the background, but Siri thought I was just talking to her when I called for that highlight. Settle down, Siri. Uh, let's go to Monday, and that was the game. It was game one of the four-game series with Detroit, which the White Sox won by a score of 7-4, to four, and James McCann doing it against his former team. And the pitch to McCann, swinging a line drive to the left. That's a base hit coming up, throwing as the left fielder. This is a terrible throw. Home Anderson, Sox back to a two-run lead at 5-3. to three. Nice going, James McCann. Nice going indeed. Lucas Giolito picking up the win in that one, 12-5. We go to Tuesday, and it's a day-night doubleheader. The White Sox winning the first game 5-3, to three, and Jose Abreu in the middle of it. And the 2-2 again. Swinging a bullet to left. That's a base hit. Home Garcia, and we lead now by 3 at 5-2. to two. And Tried to sneak the fastball by him, and uh, he's up to task. Again, you can see it. Abreu's timing is there today. It certainly was, and the White Sox again taking game one. Game two was started by Hector Santiago. The Tigers ended up winning it. But the guy who's been playing pretty well is Ryan Goins. And the pitch, swinging a line drive right center. That's a hit. A turn at third, coming home with no problem. And moving to third, the White Sox have scored another run. It's a two-run ball game, and that was a missile to right center field. And scoring the first to run is Yomer Sanchez, and now the runners are at first and third. How about that? White Sox ended up making it interesting, but the Tigers taking that one with the, the rain delay uh, on Tuesday night, 10-2-6. Now Wednesday, going for the series win, Ivan Nova was phenomenal, eight innings of work, and it was that James McCann guy doing it again against his former team. Here's the 0-1, swinging a line drive to right. That's a base hit. Abreu around third's getting waved in. And a nonchalant play by the right fielder. I'm going to say that right now. Yep. <laughs> I love when Farmio calls out uh, baseball etiquette that is not up to Ed Farmer's standards. That's That was sweet. White Sox take three of four in the series. Uh, game one of the, the series with Oakland yesterday uh, went to the A's by a score of 7 to nothing. Come on back and uh, get you ready for our 5 o'clock hour, which is a busy one. We'll be talking with Adam Engel, and uh, yes, White Sox and A's coming up as well. It's White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. At 635, a conversation with a veterinarian who has done it all, and I do mean he's done it all. You won't believe what he's done with gorillas as one example. Steve Dale's Pet World, tomorrow morning at 630 on WGN Radio. 
Mazda of Orland Park invites you to ignite your passions, explore more, discover, seek new memories, embrace adventure, and test drive a Mazda to experience more. Mazda of Orland Park is a proud sponsor of Chicago White Sox Charities, where they're always trying to make your car shopping fun. Fun at Mazda of Orland Park means no suits, no high-pressure sales, just regular people who treat you like a neighbor. Schedule your test drive today at Mazda of Orland Park, always online at ZoomZoomNation.com. Feel alive. You know, DJ, when I was a boy, I had a dream of driving a Windy City limousine. I thought you dreamt of being a big league pitcher. I really want to drive one of those beautiful Windy City limousines, hybrids, coaches, or buses, and honk the horn as I drove by my friends going to see the Sox play. So instead of becoming a Windy City limousine driver, you became a big league pitcher, and now you're a broadcaster calling the games to millions of fans on White Sox radio? Yeah, I guess some dreams just don't come true. Windy City Limousine, call today at 866-94-WINDY or online at windycitylimos.com. It's about time. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Sox and the Oakland A's coming on up here. Uh, one thing, you know, when you're going through the White Sox game notes today that just jumps out at me, the White Sox are 38-1 and when leading after six innings. Now, that's not the ninth inning. After six. So you get into the seventh inning with a lead, and you got to feel incredibly comfortable that you're going to win a ball game. They're 39 and 1 after 7 and 39 and 0 after 8. But basically, with the way the bullpen has been constructed this year, if the White Sox get to the 7th and they have a lead, they're going to shut it down. Uh, Alex Colomay has been phenomenal. He leads the American League in save percentage, 96%. He's 22 of 23, and the 22 saves are tied for the fourth, fourth most uh, in baseball, and he's got an ERA of 1.11. So he's given up three runs in 24 and a third innings in save situations, and all that is phenomenal. And I know there was discussion around the trade deadline of whether or not the White Sox were going to hold on to Alec Colomay. And I don't know what the White Sox were offered uh Perhaps it was a lot, perhaps it was not. I don't, I'm not privy uh, to those conversations. And I think it's, you know, you could certainly make an argument that if they were offered a ton, that maybe it was in their best interest to move them along. Um, and I just looked at it like a situation where if they were blown away, then they would do it. And if they weren't, then he was going to be here. So I'm assuming that that's what happened. But it's very clear that the White Sox are looking to be in the mix in 2020 for going to the playoffs right now they're 51 and 63 so if you do the math on that and you use your high level high school skills to extrapolate there's a word that out to 162 game season the White Sox are on pace to finish 72 and 90 now last year they were 62 and 100 so that would be correct me if I'm wrong mathematicians out there that's a 10 game improvement which is significant, and even more significant when you consider that Michael Kopech was supposed to be here, missed the entire season. Carlos Rodon was supposed to be a big part of that rotation, basically has missed the entire year. The reason why there has been 
at least on pace for a 10-game improvement and you were a 500 club for most of the season is a lot of guys have shown big-time, big-time transformation from Lucas Giolito to Tim Anderson to Aloy Jimenez getting here and on pace for close to 25 home runs in his rookie year despite missing uh, a decent amount of time being on the injured list. And I think it's, you know, you never know what happens year to year in baseball, but I'd like to believe that Lucas has figured it out with his talent base that this is something that he's going to be going forward. And Tim Anderson will hopefully continue to get better. And I think Aloy is just scratching the surface. Yoan Moncada is part of the reason why the White Sox have had a big time or have, have improved, let's say it like that, I don't want to overstate it, have improved in 2019. And so you boil that all together, and I think that's why the White Sox did not have a huge appetite to move a guy like Colome. When you look at the strength of this team, the bullpen is right at the top. And who knows what they'll do in the offseason as far as going out and getting starting pitching. I would think they would be in the mix for somebody like Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole gets to make a decision on where he wants to go, and that's not going to be cheap. But when we rewind back, you didn't spend the 250 some odd million dollars on Manny Machado, so that money is still there. And I was thinking about Machado this week. If he's here right now, where is he playing? Third base, right? So Moncada never moves. Is he as good at second as he's been at third? I, I don't know. I think you can make a fair assumption and say no, that this has actually been a huge part of why Yohan Moncada has been that much better this year. So, and if Machado is here, is he playing short? Okay, well then, you know, Tim Anderson's been, been great. Would have been an, um, an all-star if he doesn't get hurt, or certainly in consideration. So I, I, sometimes when things like that don't happen, they end up benefiting you in the long run, which was my hope at the time, by the way, that uh, even though that didn't work out, uh, the White Sox still have the money, and who knows uh, when and where they will use it, but hopefully they'll use it in a great way. All right, quick timeout. Adam Angle coming up after 5. We'll get you a quick check of news next. It's White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Hope you're having a great Saturday. See what Ronaldo Lopez can do on the bump tonight. And then tomorrow, it's Lucas Giolito and Chris Bassett for the A's. Uh, Lucas coming in at 12 and 5 with a 3-4-4 ERA. Adam Angle coming up after the 5 o'clock news, which we'll get a check of right now. Chicago Stories told 24 7 on 720 wgn chicago smart speaker users just say play wgn radio on tune in it's great to be back with wgn it's white Sox weekly on the official radio station of the chicago white Sox. 720 wgn 720 wgn white Sox weekly adam angle first time we're talking this year first of all uh welcome back you you look great uh Let's go into the journey here. You, you start out the year with the team. They send you back, say, we want more offense. You have to keep your head up, and, and now you're back here. Could not have been easy. Yeah, I mean, obviously, any, any time you're, uh, you know, no matter what job you have, you don't want to go backwards. So, um, you know, it just it's one of those things where at the beginning of the year I had a slow start and, um, you know, came into the season with some, some different things going on. And, um, you know, the role that I was in, Early on, especially I, you know, wasn't playing every day, so I didn't really have uh, 
you know, the, the everyday routine of, you know, seeing live pitching, which is, um, you know, didn't help help try and implement some new stuff that I was working on. So went back down to Charlotte and um, had a chance to, to work every day and um, see live pitching every day and, you know, got pretty comfortable down there. So um, came up here and just trying to keep it going. Mechanically, what are you doing differently, if anything? Yeah, so at the beginning of the year, um, I was leg kicking to try and to get a, a feel that I, I wanted to, to stay back, right? And um, that's hard to, to kind of get your timing on when, especially like I had mentioned before, when you're not playing every day, it's kind of leg kicks aren't the easiest thing, especially when it's a new move for me. Um, so I went back down there and, and kind of went down to a, a different setup where I was getting my foot uh, or at least getting to my toe on the ground early and kind of going from there, but still trying to have that same, like staying back in my, my backside for as long as I could, um, just with a different setup. So um, I got to go down there for a couple months and kind of iron out the kinks, and I guess I just try to keep it going. And for those who don't get into the technicalities or mechanics of hitting, bottom line is if you're late, you're dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hitting is essentially being on time, and everything that we do as a hitter is to – try and give us our greatest opportunity of being on time right like that's that's the name of the game and everything that a pitcher is doing is trying to get you either to be too early or to be too late you know so um that that's essentially what hitting and pitching is can can we make them swing the bat at the wrong time right and then obviously you have you know the the accuracy like uh, element but um, most of the time, guys, if they're on time, they're pretty accurate. So that's that's what you're trying to do, just be on time. And you want to be also, I'll throw in there my, my hitting expertise. So it's, it's on time with the most force that you possibly have. Like your hips are coming through and all that. It's, on, it's not just on time that I can touch it. It's that I can actually drive it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely part of part of hitting is, you know, you don't want to go up there and swing and every time you hit the ball, it's like a bunt. You know what I mean? So, um that's definitely part of part of it. Um, you know, different guys are, you know, trying to hit the ball hard as hard as they can, essentially every swing. And you got to kind of figure out who who you are as a hitter. So, um, you know, that's not necessarily my game. Try to hit as hard as I can. I'm just trying to go up there and be on time and and be accurate. You know, and if the ball jumps, the ball jumps. If not, you know, just give myself a chance to, you know, to get on base. Were you work with anyone specifically at Charlotte? Was it a lot of Frank Manichino? Was it? I mean, how how'd that go? Yeah, I was working with Frank every day. Um, he's awesome, uh, great guy, really knows what he's doing down there, um, really hard worker, um, you know, so went down there day one, was like, hey, um, you know, this is where I'm at, like, what, what do you see, what have you heard, and let's come up with a game plan and, uh, you know, try and get something going down here, and, you know, sat down, I had a ton of talks with him, just as far as what we are trying to accomplish, how we are going to get there, um, you know, and he's, he's awesome, he's, um, you know, a huge Huge reason why I'm back up here. So, confidence? Did it take a hit? Were you? How what would you say? Did you stay level? Um, you know, at the time, um, you know, I think I'd be lying if I said that it didn't affect my, you know, my outlook at the time. But um, you know, I think if you want to have success in this game, it's got to be short-lived. So once I got to, as soon as I got to the field day one, when we were in Columbus day one, it's like okay, now I'm back to. You know, I'm going to play every day. I'm going to get at-bats every day. So let's, you know, let's get this thing rolling. So I was paying attention to the box scores. And, you know, we, we talked last year. I met the family. I was sitting in the seats with. So I was like, come on, let's get Anna Mangobag or something. I'm just watching. And you started out slow. 
and then you started coming on and they were putting you at the top of the order. So it, it seemed like it took you a second to get your footing, and then once you did, it started taking off, and then, and then here you are. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, early on it was there was a lot of, like, kind of trial and error experimenting on with, you know, what do, what do I want to go to? You know, because I, I decided kind of, like, I want to get rid of the leg kick. I was like, so what am I going to do instead to kind of, like, get that timing and rhythm um, you know, and get rid of the leg kick. So I probably went through like five or six different loading mechanisms before I kind of landed on what I landed on. And during that time, it was pretty ugly. It was uh, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of frustrating at bats where it's like, man, I saw that pitch and that's a pitch that I normally drive. And, you know, because I wasn't on time or I wasn't comfortable with how I was loading, I missed it. And um, that's that's when you know experience has to kind of take over and say hey you know I've been here before I know what this is like I'm trying to you know work on something and with that comes failure most of the time I mean not always but most of the time so I'm um, just stuck with it and then like I said once I found something that I liked and I was comfortable with um, the results started to happen a lot quicker that could drive you crazy and like oh my god maybe I can't do this is I would think would creep in at some point so kudos to sticking with yourself but what was that part of it like yeah I mean that's that's something that as a player it's like it didn't cross my mind like that wasn't it for me it was never like a oh no let's panic it was more of a um like let's go down the checklist here and, and figure out what what's going to give me my best chance and then just buy into it and, and stick with it um but yeah absolutely there's there's times I'm sure and everybody's career where they're kind of like second guessing like man can I still do this or do I think I can do this and um, like I said that wasn't that wasn't necessarily where I was at but um, you know that's hopefully that's not a place you get to anytime soon and your defense has always been elite so was that like are you able to leave when you are struggling to play when I go out to center field or wherever you are in the outfield that uh, I'm not thinking about anything else other than making a play right now yeah I think that's always kind of been even at a you know when I was an amateur you know it wasn't something like that I ever allowed to, to kind of cross over um, that was something I was taught from a really young age like hey man you know if you do one thing bad you can't let that affect the next thing right so and that was really drilled into our heads at, at Louisville big time um, so that's like I said I've I've kind of had that element you know throughout my entire career of like hey man just because you mess up even even offensively you take a really bad swing on the first pitch then it doesn't mean the next pitch has to be as bad you know so that's something that um you know as, as an athlete you just kind of work through any conversations with ricky or with trick coming back here or they just adam go out and do your thing yeah, uh, just kind of day one, kind of went in and said, what do you need from me? You know, happy to be back, want to help any way I can. And they just said, um, you know, just be yourself essentially. And, you know, Trick kind of was uh, messing around with me. So, yeah, just produce or, sets, or just play well. or I don't remember exactly what he said. But, um, you know, just happy to be back, man. You know, back with these guys. There's a good group of guys down in, down in Charlotte as well. But it's good to be back with these guys and, um, you know, just trying to contribute. It seems like you're more comfortable now than maybe you've ever been. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I'm kind of at a, a stage now, like I said, where I, I landed on something in AAA that I, that I like and I'm comfortable with, and I'm just trying to, you know, just go in and produce on a daily basis. 
Field of Dreams? You know anything about it? Uh, not a whole lot. I, I did an interview the other day, a real quick interview, and said, yeah, I've never seen it. And I've been getting text messages from people back home like, you've never seen Field of Dreams? I'm like, no, never seen it. But that's not your era, man. Do you, do you have a favorite baseball movie? Um, I like almost all baseball movies. They're all so different. You know what I mean? And, like, kind of what the message they're trying to get across. But um, I loved Hardball as a kid with Keanu Reeves and G-Baby. And, yeah, that was one of my favorites. Adam Angle, Hardball. That's an endorsement right there. <laughs> Have you, uh, looking forward to seeing you back out there. Are you playing today? Are you in the lineup today? In the lineup today. Not in the lineup today. Well, maybe we'll see you tomorrow. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Adam Angle, 720 WGN. White Sox Weekly, 720 WGN. Hope you're having a great afternoon. Sox baseball coming up. Andy's got your pregame at the bottom of the hour. You can join us on Saturday, August 24th, as the Sox take on the Texas Rangers. That's a 6-10 first pitch. And be one of the first 10,000 fans, 21 and over, to receive a White Sox beer stein. It's presented by Budweiser. White Sox fans, this Bud's for you. Purchase your tickets at WhiteSox.com today. Food just got delivered here. I'm about to talk to Andy Major. So if you want to eat right now, I'd go right now. I'll keep on talking. Uh, there's no better way to catch the second half of the season than with a summer voucher pack. You get ten. You get you receive ten tickets to any game of your choosing at Guaranteed Rate Field. Use them in any combination. So you get two to this game, four to that game, two to this game. I'm going solo twice. All that stuff. Uh, any combination. So you can watch your socks your way. For more information, visit whitesocks.com slash voucher. Andy Mazur, how do you watch your socks? Do you like to go solo? I feel like that's kind of your thing. You just sit there, you chill out, you read a book, you watch baseball. I'm here with you guys. Forget that. I, I watch it in groups, you know. I mean, uh, that's kind of the way it goes. <laughs> so have you actually seen Hardball, the Keanu Reeves? I have, yeah, with uh, G-Baby and everything like that, yeah. Okay. Uh, Keanu Reeves is the uh, the main guy. Okay, you're giving it the a... Diane Lane. Got to like the Diane Lane. You're giving it the Mazer two and a half stars out of four? Eh, you know, it was okay. I mean, uh, it wasn't my cup of tea. I mean, it was shot here in Chicago, which gives it a you know a little bit of a an edge over some of the other ones. But uh, there was one on the clubhouse today. I don't know if you saw on the back TV. Uh, it was an underrated baseball film as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Steve Cochran actually had an appearance in it, Little Big League. Little Big League? The one where the little guy uh, takes over the Minnesota Twins. And the, the first question he asked about... Uh, uh, being uh, get, getting second guest in the clubhouse is Steve Cochran. Check it out. I did see. I I did see Little Big League was on, although I wasn't sure what movie it was that I was watching. Yeah. But, but I did see the twin, good flick. Yeah, they were at uh, they were at Fenway Park. They were yeah. living that dream. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, and I did not know that Steve Cochran was in the movie. He is in the movie. What what dinner am I delaying you from right now? Uh, I got the uh, the lovely plain steak burger today. Oh, it's a delicious option. Yeah, good choice. All right, so. Coming up on pregame today, you have something interesting. Yeah, we talked to uh, Yon Moncada through uh, interpreter Billy Russo today. Uh, Yon went through some paces out there on the infield and also took uh, took a little batting practice. So we'll get an update on how he's feeling. Uh, and also some thoughts from Eloy Jimenez on his bobblehead day today. What are you seeing? That is interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I almost stole a couple of bobbleheads, but I didn't want to lose my job, so I didn't <laughs> do it. Uh, but they are rolling around here, and a, a very good crowd expected on hand tonight, over 30,000. Uh, for a little Saturday night uh, bobblehead action. What are you seeing from Eloy uh, as of late? You know, I think, uh, and he mentions this too, that uh, he believes his timing is starting to come back a little bit. And, you know, that was a, that was a, a you know something uh, they were going to have to to deal with because they didn't send him out of minor league rehab. 
they wanted him to get his advance here at the big league level rather than get him at the minor league level. So, you know, you're going you're, you're gonna to see a guy struggle a little bit because your timing is off. He feels like it's starting to come back. He tried a couple of games without the batting gloves to, uh, to kind of shake, uh, shake the cobwebs out, so to speak, but put them back on. But uh, it really feels like uh, things are starting to turn in a in a positive direction for him at the plate. Yeah, and look for a you know a, a guy in his rookie year on pace to hit roughly twenty five home runs. Mm-hmm. That's, not, that's not exactly uh, terrible. He's tied for, for uh, the AL rookie lead with homers with eighteen. He's fifth with RBIs with forty three. He's fourth in total bases. He's ninth in extra base hits. Uh, I mean, all those are are, are good numbers. It's got to make him feel pretty good. I know he he probably doesn't even like feel perhaps like he should be considered with the rookies. You know, like he's I'm a you know maybe I'm a veteran at this point in August, but I think all those numbers speak very well for what's coming. Yeah, I would agree, and and I think uh, you know there was a question that was asked of Ricky Renteria, which we'll have today too, about uh, kind of comparing Yoel Mokata's first year, and we saw him go through some struggles playing second base, and then of course uh, this year moving over to third and and doing what he's done uh, if, if Ricky sees any similarities between uh, the scuffles that Eloy has gone through a little bit here in this first year to uh, to what might be in the in the cards for next year yeah uh what are we hearing at Moncada uh he says he's feeling better there's still no timetable set up he, he's still starting to he still feels a little bit of as he's as he's feeling ground balls and swinging only from the right side not from the left is where he's starting to feel it so uh, you know they're going to be extra cautious. You know they, you don't want to let this linger. You'd like to have him out there uh, today if he could, but uh, but apparently he does not feel like it's ready to go today, and, and uh, he'll just continue to work and try to get uh, try to get back. And meanwhile, Ryan Goins has been a nice surprise here. I don't know what this means going forward. Yeah, but he certainly has conducted himself like a big leaguer, no doubt about it. Yeah, you know I looked it up before he played his first game at third base, not including the one that he came off the bench to to get in there when Makata came out, but he only had played 22 games in his big league career at third base prior to, uh, prior to this season. Most of his games were at uh, second base and shortstop. Uh, and I think he's, uh, he's done a nice job. He, there's certain things, there's certain plays obviously that Yo Makata with a stronger arm can make at third base than that Goins can't, uh, not to take anything away from the guy. He's not a third baseman by trade and he's going out there and getting playing time, which is what every major league baseball player wants He's going to go out and give it his best, and I think he's done a very nice job. He really has, and yeah, he doesn't have, I would say, even close to the arm of Yon Mankata, but he's getting it over there. Right. He's, you know, he's, he knows his limitations, so he's not going to hold it for a whole lot of time, and he's he's been, he's played it. He's done a nice job. Andy, I'll let you eat your burger before Thank you. pregame. Thank you so much. All right, let's take, uh, we'll take a quick time out, come back, wrap it up, and hand it over uh, to Andy Mazur for... Our White Sox pregame show with the Oakland A's. This is 720 WGN. White Sox and the Oakland A's coming up. You really got to hand it to the Oakland A's. They don't have the huge payroll. They don't have the big names. But somehow, some way, they just seem to always be in the mix. Oakland coming in tonight, 66-50. and 50. Uh, they are a half game back in the wild card chase of the Tampa Bay Rays, who are 67 and 50. Minnesota and Cleveland are now tied up top the AL Central. Pretty amazing that the Indians, who were scuffling along for a long time, have caught the Twins. Uh, Minnesota has lost their last four, and the Indians have won four in a row. So both coming into action today at 70 and 46 you can't even really put that on minnesota they're falling apart i mean they have lost their last four but they're 24 games over 500 i think it's more credit to cleveland and the a starter tonight is a gentleman by the name of tanner roark 
And if you haven't been watching the National League, you probably don't know that name all too well. He came over from Cincinnati uh, on July 31st. Uh, so far with Oakland, he is 1-0 and with a 1.80 ERA um, and is uh, you know a guy that can, can give you fits, really. So we'll see how the White Sox offense comes alive tonight against Tanner Roark. And it's a big night for Ronaldo Lopez, who has been great since the All-Star break, 2-1 and with a 2.56 ERA. That's in 31 and two-thirds innings of work. So we're getting to a decent sample size right now. You want one strikeout per inning, and he's got 34, so that's a little bit better. And opponents are only hitting 217 against him. So whatever Ronaldo Lopez is doing to uh, find his way back to where he was last year, it has it is it has happened. So uh, yeah, I mean, you look at his last five starts, the two and one I gave you all the numbers. The eight starts before that, one and four with an ERA up towards eight. And uh, the strikeouts were way down, 42 innings, 32 strikeouts, so he wasn't getting a lot of swing and misses. And, uh, yeah, he was giving up a bunch of base hits as well and a bunch of home runs. I mean, in those eight games, 12 homers in their, in those eight games and only one in his last five. So I, that, to me, stands out more than anything else, that guys are just not hitting the baseball as hard as they uh, were earlier in the year against Ronaldo Lopez. Hopefully he'll be able to keep it rolling tonight. Thank yous today on the show to Senior Director of Communications, Scott Reifer, who came on by the book, uh, by the booth, I should say. Thank you very much. Uh, also, Michael Huff was here as we talked about the White Sox camps and stuff coming up in the fall. Adam Engel on the program and Hector Santiago as well and Jason Benetti for a couple minutes as well. Uh, Andy Mazur has your pregame coming up here with Yoan Mankata, part of that. So uh, stay tuned for that, and stay tuned for the news, which is coming up right now. It is sponsored by Permaseal Basement Systems. Thank you back at the station, by the way, to both Krista Flores and Curtis Koch for helping out on White Sox Weekly today. Your 5.30 news, and you, Dave Zaslowski, of course. I mean, come on, that's, that's a given. I don't, you don't even need to have your name said. Uh, thank you, Dave Zaslowski. News right now at 5.30. Here is Bob Kessler.